When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to the Lakers Fast Break Podcast, part of the Hoopheads Podcast Network. Check out all their awesome basketball shows today at hoopheadspod.com. back with another episode of the Lakers Fast Break podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break. Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Lakers Fast Break. Pop Culture Cosmos. Lakerholics.com and the great folks at the Hoop Heads Podcast Network. It is sincerely appreciated. Up next on our set of extra shows this week is legendary award-winning sports writer Lee Montville talking about his book, which is available right now called Tall Men Short Shorts, covering the Lakers Celtics 1969 NBA Finals. If you want to share your thoughts on the book or our interview or anything else you want to talk about concerning the Lakers and the NBA. Send me a tweet at Lakers Fast Break, Lakers Fast Break at Yahoo.com, or be part of the conversation at Lakerholics.com. Wednesday night on our Facebook channel at Lakers Fast Break to tape our thoughts on game three of the NBA Finals and also discuss some other things. Lakers, of course. But if you want to hear that show, that will be dropping on Thursday. And look forward to more great things coming up for you right here at the Lakers Fast Break podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Hi, this is Mr. Holiday from the podcast, My Worst Holiday, and you're listening to the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hello, everyone. It is the NBA Finals going on right now, and as the teams, which include the Phoenix Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks, are battling hard as we speak and as we're recording on this, we just want to go ahead and reflect on what many call one of the greatest, if not the greatest, NBA Finals of all time. And here today to talk about that and all the the wonderful things that surrounded it, both uh, competitive and also the world at large at that point in time, is a good man indeed. You got to go ahead and check out his book covering the 1969 NBA Finals between the Los Angeles Lakers and the Boston Celtics, who defeated the Los Angeles Lakers four games to three in that series. Again, like I said, one of the most contested, the most celebrated NBA finals ever. And I, I just you know, ask anyone out there to go ahead and research it. But you know what? The best way to do so is this book coming up right here that's going to be available on the 13th of July. 
and you got to check it out indeed. It is Tall Man Short Stories, the 1969 NBA Finals with Wilt, Russ, Lakers, Celtics, and a very young oh, sports good. reporter. There you go. Yes, it is Lee Montville. I tell you what, Lee, it's great to have you here. Award-winning journalist covering for the Boston Globe at that time. He's worked with Sports Illustrated. He's written many, many books out there. And in fact, I want everybody to go ahead and when in the description, when this podcast comes up, go into the description, click on the link for Amazon. Not only will you see Tall Men Short Shorts, but you will also see all the books that he's written over the years. Gotten so much acclaim for him, everything from Babe Ruth, Muhammad Ali, Evil Knievel, Dale Earnhardt, just so many books that he's covered over the sports spectrum. Lee, just great to have you part of the program today. Glad to be here. It's a, I'm up in my little office, and I, I have no air conditioning. It's about 900 degrees, so you can ask me anything. It'll be like Guantanamo Bay, you know? I have to tell you the truth, because it's torture. Put you in a, in a sort of a heat box, or as we like the sauna. Like, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Exactly. I just stepped in from 119. It's set on my van. So I know as of where you speak here in Las Vegas, actually it was a little warmer yesterday, about 124 it clocked in. So <laughs> they always say it's dry heat. Dry heat should be okay. I don't know uh, what they mean by dry heat. Exactly. It's still hot. It's still hot any way you slice it. But it is the NBA Finals going on right now as we're speaking about this, and it is the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns. I don't want to give everybody where we're at in the finals because, again, this will be heard at a later time as it gets closer to the release of your book, which I'm so excited for. I've already had a sneak peek at it. I really enjoyed my time with it. And it goes back to a year, and this year, 1969, is so important to me because it's the year I was born. And I do go back and look at the history of that time, what took place, not just with what was going on with the series, but it's helped me, and this book does as well, help you out there who's reading it to get a better idea of exactly what went on in the life and culture of 1969, because there were so many important things about that year. Obviously, the moon landing was the, you know, the, the thing that people point out to the most about 1969, but Lee, as a... Uh, I shall say a cub reporter, per se, for the Boston Globe at that point. A young, young reporter, as the title indicates. How did it feel living in that environment as we headed into the NBA Finals at that time? Yeah, no, I, I was 25 years old, and um, I had never been to Los Angeles. I'd never seen the Pacific Ocean. I'd never seen a palm tree, you know? And all of a sudden... I was covering the Celtics in the playoffs and uh, the Celtics weren't supposed to do so well. And it, it was like a weird circumstance that I, I got to cover it. And uh, the Celtics had finished fourth in the East and were supposed to be blown out, you know, um, by, by either New York or Baltimore or, or whomever they played Philadelphia, but they survived. And so now they're playing against the Lakers who, uh, supposedly had the greatest team in the history of basketball because they brought in Wilt Chamberlain to join Jerry West and, and Elgin Baylor. And, and it was really the first kind of, I don't know, dream team kind of ever created in, in the NBA solely because Wilt decided he wanted to play in California. And like LeBron James, all of a sudden he became a Laker. 
And uh, so that was kind of the setting for it. And, and I'm just kind of bopping along as this 25 year old guy trying to make sense of it all. And uh, it, it was quite, quite thrilling. You know, it was a thrilling time. And it was, again, if you look at it, also, if you see any old footage or if you look at it on paper, it, it does, uh, I guess, and, and you read through your book, of course, it, it does come out as one of the most, uh, I guess, uh, just grueling, most embattled, most uh, competitive series of all time as far as the NBA Finals are concerned. And I, I'm going to agree with you. When you look at the roster of the Boston Celtics, I mean, that was the tail end of their dynasty during the 1960s. And you could see, as far as the roster is concerned, they didn't have as much depth as they once did, correct? Right. Bill Russell was 35 years old and, and kind of had arthritic knees. And, and, you know, it was all winding down. The thing about that series was that, that it wasn't really on television very much. Only two of those games were on television in Boston. And only three of them were on television in uh, Los Angeles. They had that that local blackout thing to protect the gate. So it went to seven games. And the seventh game was shown all around the United States. It, it was the first primetime finals game ever shown on television in the United States. But they couldn't see it in Los Angeles. It, it was uh, It was quite a thing. That's how long ago it was, you know. Bill Russell was the coach and, and, and the star of the, uh, of the Celtics. He had no assistance. Butch Von Bredikoff had no assistance with the Lakers. It, you, you look at the finals now, and each of the coaches, they have the Mormon Tabernacle Choir behind them. Everybody in those little zip-up zip up little... Uh, Jumpsuits and all that. Yeah, you know, and, and, and there's about 15 coaches for each team. And these guys were all by themselves. And by the way, Russell was the uh, the starting center and the reason for everything. Absolutely. And again, uh, you know, all credit to the uh, entire team for getting through that series and, you know, went back and forth. It started out with the Lakers going up to nothing and you're, you're weighing the locker room as uh, they left Los Angeles and the Celtics uh, you're reading the temperature in that room you could tell there was a little bit of concern, but again, this was something that the Lakers were expected to take those two at home first, being that, again, like we talked about how the Lakers were such a heavily favored team, but once the Celtics started to come back in that series and started to make things interesting, the temperature, as you read your book, started to change very dramatically. Yeah, the first two games were very good games at the Forum. Yes, the first game was maybe like the perfect game. I mean, my supposition is that, that the NBA logo of Jerry West came from a picture taken in that game. It, it could be wrong, but, but that's what I think because he scored like 56 points and, and, and both teams played very well. And again, the next game, Elgin Baylor had a big night. Elgin Baylor was kind of nearing the end of his, his run, but, but he – he scored 30-something points. So the Lakers had never been up two to nothing in the, any of the series they'd ever played against the Celtics. And going back to Boston, it, their goal was to win one of the two games. And the first game, okay, the Celtics outran them and everything. But the next game was like a, a, 
a two-point game at the end. Sam Jones hit a shot, a very improbable shot, off a secret play, and there was a lot of controversy, and the Celtics won the game, and then it came down to a best of three, and yes. uh, that kind of tightened all the tension. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Hey, hoop heads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. And Game 7, which if people need to research it, was one of the most incredible games going back and forth all the things that were done even before the game by owner Jack Kent Cook and some of the things that he was already planning on because he was expecting a Lakers victory at that point in time. And uh, I, I know you mentioned it in your book, some of the things that were done by him uh, ahead because it seemed like a situation where you didn't need motivation from the Boston Celtics standpoint uh, and Boston Celtics side of it because you were getting all the motivation you could from what was being done by owner Jack Kent Cook. The plan was he brought all these balloons and they were up on the, the, the ceiling of the forum. And when the Lakers won, they were going to release all the balloons and the USC marching band was in the house and they were going to come out high stepping, playing happy days are here again. And uh, it was a big victory cake that was going to be shared. And there, there were five, box, five, five boxes full of champagne ready to be drunk in the Lakers locker room. And it was just this big party was planned, but he he had put out a memo about all this. Yeah. Somehow the memo had gotten to the Celtics, and I, I think he put it on all the seats. Correct. He yeah. notified all the fans by putting on this all the seats yeah. in the forum. And the Celtics got a hold of that, and and that was a little extra motivation. I mean, probably not the reason they won the game, but it it it's an easy thing to point at. Absolutely. I, I mean, I would point at it. Uh, I mean, those kind of things have led to today's model where you're seeing smack talk left and right uh, and people saying, it, you know, simpler time back in that era. But still, there were ways of motivation. And obviously, Jack Kent Cook provided, uh, you know, game seven aside, obviously, game seven should speak for itself. But, you know, having flyers in the seats saying, you know, like you said, USC marching band ready to play balloons. Chick Hearn ready to interview a lot of people already. (laughs) You know, counting your chickens before they hatch is not exactly the best way to go in sports from my understanding over time. Yeah, but but there'd been such a buildup through the years to this game. You know, the the Lakers had lost in the finals five times to the Celtics. And, I mean, Jerry West was this, heroic slash tragic figure, you know, the, um, the 
handsome Cary Grant guy, the, the idol of everybody in Los Angeles. And, and this was going to be the fulfillment, the, the answer to all the bad things that had happened to him through the years. And this was going to be the way to finish it off. And, and he felt that too, you know, everybody felt that. And then the game evolved and the Celtics kind of jumped them. They, they, they took a lead and, and in the second half, they, they were up by 17 points at one time. And then it got all crazy and the Lakers made a run at the end and it got crazy. It was, it was really dramatic. And that's one of the things I want to ask you about is that uh, Will Chamberlain hurt mm-hmm. his knee and I think they were down by nine or 10 at that point in time, the Lakers were. And he got he went out of the game and Mel Counts came in and the Lakers, like you said, made a furious comeback. Although they were, like you said, in the process of making a comeback anyways, this helped expedite it even more. And Will Chamberlain shook off the knee injury and wanted to come back into the game. But Butch Van Bredikoff said, you know what? I think you're good here. Yeah, Butch was not a big fan of Wilt. He more more or less had Wilt imposed on him than than really wanted him. Um, he thought he thought the Lakers played better as a team with Mel Counts out there. Mel Counts could hit a jump shot as a seven foot guy, and and they could run with Mel Counts, whereas they were kind of a set it up team with with Wilt. And so he he gambled his whole coaching career. On that one move, you know, it, it, it's probably the gutsiest coaching move ever made in that if they, if they won, he would have been a legend and a genius. But if they lost, he would have been looking for work by Thursday, which he, which he wound up doing, you know. It, 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 it was quite a decision on his part. It was, it was. And I'm sad to see that he didn't appreciate Wilt's game, although – at, let me ask you this. At that time, I mean, we may see players now through rose-colored lenses and someone who didn't see him personally because I was in diapers at that point in time. So I don't think I would have been able to get a, a great it's grasp of his game. You know? Exactly. I mean, all I've seen all I've seen is a lot of footage, uh, and I've checked out hours of footage of Will Chamberlain. What was your assessment of his game? Will Wilt was such a gifted guy physically. It seemed almost like like you could watch a cartoon light bulb over his head and he would decide what he wanted to do. You know, if Wilt wanted to score, well, he had scored 100 points in one game, you know, a record that's never been broken. If he wanted to rebound, well, he, he once had 55 rebounds in a game, a record that's never been broken. If he wanted he won- to lead the league in assists. He did if, that. If he wanted assists, he led the league in assists. But he he, he was just, I don't know, it, it was strange. His his thought processes always seemed strange, when it, especially when it got to these big games. And he, he also could disappear in these big games and, and wind up, you know, with four points, with eight points. And, and you'd say, what's the matter? Why didn't he take charge? Um I mean, I think the final line in, in, in evaluating Wilt Chamberlain's game really is that there's never been anyone who people have said, he's a lot like Wilt Chamberlain. You know, a little bit with Shaq, but, but not really. Um, Wilt Chamberlain was just a, a physical specimen, a, 
like from another world almost. I love Shaq and I love Shaq's game and his power and his intensity that he had, but, and his ability, like you said, to want to turn it on and turn it off at given points in time, depending on how he felt, but to the level of what Will Chamberlain can do, because Shaq, I don't know if Shaq was a decent passer out of the double, but I don't think he was at the level of what we saw out of Wilt, nor was he, you know, he, even though he's one of the greatest scorers of all time, I don't, I think Will Chamberlain just might've had some edge on him as far as his dominance at that point in time for Wilt, you know, in the, in the late sixties and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, it seemed like he could do whatever he wanted to do, but, but sometimes didn't want to do it. You know, yeah. he just, uh, he, he, he wouldn't come to practice. He would be disruptive at practice when he came. Um, you know, he, he would drive a coach crazy, I think, you know, and, and Van Bredikoff called him the load because he thought he just slowed everything down. Um, with the team, and, and I suppose that's so. And Wilt, Wilt and Von Bredikoff had great debates over whether Wilt should play down low or play up higher to, to free up room for Elgin Baylor and Jerry West to drive to the basket. And uh, Von Bredikoff wanted him high, and Wilt wanted to be low, where, where he scored those 100 points. Absolutely. Like you said, at times, Wilt could be the most dominant player on the floor and and the most dominant player in the league. And just depending on his mindset, I was watching some footage of him the other day against the New York Knicks when the Lakers won their championship. I think it was 73. I think Mm -hmm. if memory serves me correct. And just to see his dominance then was just so amazing that he could take over games in, in such a fashion. But like you said, it was ability to turn it off and just be another player at times similar to what Shaq has done over the career because of the fact that he just you know don't, you don't know which Shaq you're going to get you didn't know which Wilt you're going to get from day to day. He had the whole superstar ethos didn't he you know way yeah. back then when you were in diapers you know he had the house in the Hollywood Hills and uh, he, he would drive a Bentley and he, he was just he, he was just larger than life you know and he he would always talk. He could do anything, you know. He was a Richard Nixon guy, you know, kind of a corporate kind of mindset. He was, uh, you know, he, he was going to challenge Muhammad Ali. He was, he wound up, you know, as the volleyball guy after he left basketball. He, he was just a curious, curious guy. And we haven't even talked about the 20,000 women he allegedly slow danced with, you know. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. His his escapades there have been the stuff of legend. And as we've seen with other basketball players who've had that lifestyle, uh, can catch up to them. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. The better that these Marvel films do, the higher the standards are going to be for not just other films in general, but other Marvel films also. I think it's really hard to end a show with this many fans in a satisfying way. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Playing worldwide on radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Before we go ahead and head on out, I want to ask you a couple more questions with the Celtics themselves. And the Celtics, uh, I know that 
again, this wasn't the team that was designed to go ahead and go all the way. They did not finish first in their Eastern Conference. They were not favored in the series, but yet they had the grit and tenacity to go ahead. And also a good fortune of a very fortunate shot by Don Nelson. You were there at the uh, mm-hmm. Los Angeles Forum at I, that shot. I think that shot is, is the bounced off the rim and went up in the air. It's gotten further and further. I think now it was seven miles, you know. Exactly. The rim went up seven miles and came back through the the, the hoop. Um, There is footage out there that disputes that seven-mile theory, but it it went up pretty high. No, I mean, it it was just one of those goofy plays, you know, that uh, Keith Erickson slapped the ball away from from Havlicek, and the ball, you know, it should have been a a Lakers steal. Yeah. But instead, it bounced right to right to Nelson, right at right at waist level, and he, the twenty four second clock was going off, and he just threw it up, and it, it bounced off the rim, went high in the air, and came back down, and and broke a lot of hearts in Los Angeles. It did, it did. But again, they the Lakers put themselves in that position, anyways. If you read your book, it's available on the thirteenth of July. It is Tall Men, Short Shorts, the 1969 NBA Finals with Wilt, Russ, Lakers, Celtics, and a very young sports reporter. It is Lee Montville. (laughs) I love the titles when I come out and when I get to read them when I'm with authors and they have those long titles like yours. It's just amazing. When you send those titles in, was that your coming up with uh, or was was that the publishers? Tall Men, Short Shorts, I came up with. The rest is what they put. You know what? It's all a... um, it's all to do with Google. You yeah. know, if you make that long second thing. With, so if you Google 1969 finals and Wilton Russell and maybe even young 25-year-old sports writer, it'll come up as an answer, you know. and uh, It's all about SEOs these days. It's all analytics. We're in, we live in an analytics world. Absolutely. But it is available to pre-order as we're talking now, or if you're listening to this, when it hits, it's available order right now on Amazon.com. And in fact, you can get it if you're listening to this right now at $3 off. I think it's listed at $29.99 list. It's coming up right now on Amazon at $26. So save a couple bucks there. Yeah, I mean, Obviously, the hardcover is the best way to get it to me because that's the best feel. And, you know, just have it there as part of your library once you're finished to go back into it. It's probably the best way to do it. But the last question I want to ask you is about someone you mentioned earlier, the hard luck individual, the Cary Grant, as you called him at that time. And that is Jerry West, who ended up winning the MVP and one of the, I think, is it the only time that the he, only time. yeah, the, the only time a member of the losing team has won. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he had a terrific series and, and, and part of the drama was that he, he wound up getting hurt, you know, in, 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 in game five, when they won game five, they should have been really celebrating to be one game away. Yeah. And instead, it, it, you know, Chick Hearn was, talking like he was at a funeral, you know, because he had pulled a hamstring and, uh, and, and, and it was a battle all the way to, to get him back together again to play that seventh game. The Do you game. think that was the difference in, in the game? I mean, because we, we see now with the NBA finals going on in the NBA playoffs, when a player or star player of that magnitude is injured, we see how it affects the team overall. Yeah. I mean, who knows? I, I mean, 
Jerry West was, was very injury prone. Out of the six games that the two teams had played during the season, he had missed three of them with, with, with a variety of injuries. So that was kind of a, an Achilles heel that he carried with him throughout his career, that he was, he was banged up a lot. And, and this was a serious one, but he, he seemed to be okay in the final game. But, but who knows if you're, if you're 95% and not a hundred percent, maybe that 5% was, was the difference. Maybe you know, it was. But by the seventh game of, 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 of the, the end of the NBA season, pretty much everybody's kind of got something going on with them. You know, they have, yeah. they have some kind of problem in their body. They're, they're not the way they were when they came out in September. No, no. And I agree with you on that. I mean, it's the same thing now that you see going on in the NBA finals as we're speaking, where players are starting to feel the effects, especially in a truncated season like they are this year. But one last question is about 1969 itself. And you touch on this several times in your book, as far as the environment that you were living in at that time. What are some of the takeaways that you have of 1969 itself? To me, this is a personal question of fascination because that's the year I was born. Yeah, well, I mean, the season was 68-69, and, and yeah. a year earlier, the Celtics had, had beaten the Lakers in the finals again. And and like three weeks before they, the final game, Martin Luther King was shot and assassinated. And about four or five weeks afterwards, Robert Kennedy was shot and assassinated. There had been riots across the country. I mean, it, it was a, it, everything was bubbling, you know, a lot of things were going on. And Woodstock was being planned for 1969, the moon landing. It was not only tall men, short shorts, it was uh, long hair, short skirts, you know, it, it was uh, the time of love. It was uh, the whole thing. It, it was kind of the blooming of of, uh, of what modern society has become, I think. You know, uh, television had become much more important factor in, in people's everyday lives. It, uh, it was quite a time. It seemed like it. Uh, I'm glad I got to be part of it in some small way, but it headed us into a new decade with the 70s. And like you said, what you're thinking of as one of the momentous years as we went ahead and it just developed into our modern society. Well, in Vietnam, you know, I mean, that was yeah. grinding along. I mean, I think 15,000, 15,000 young guys died in Vietnam that year from the United States. It, there was stuff everywhere. It was, yeah. it, it was quite a time. That was quite a time indeed, but you detail a great bit of it. Plus, one of the momentous and also as well, one of the most hotly contested and one of the most celebrated NBA finals ever with the 1969 NBA finals between the Boston Celtics and the Los Angeles Lakers. And you cover it all in your amazing book, which I've had a great time reading for altogether many reasons, including obviously the NBA finals itself, but also reliving that year of my birth. I just have a fascination with it because obviously it's it's a very momentous year for me, but it is tall men, short shorts, the 1969 NBA Finals, Wilt, Russ, Lakers, Celtics, and a very young sports reporter. It is award-winning journalist from Sports Illustrated, from the Boston Globe, Lee Montville. Lee, before we head on out, I need you to do the hard pitch for people out there. 
I've tried to sell it as best I can, but please let everybody know why they need to pick up your awesome book, Tall Men, Short Shorts. Well, I, I, I should say that for Laker fans, things get better after 1969. <laughs> they you know, do. They do. Stretch, stretch out history to, to, to today. A lot of good things happened for the Lakers. I don't know. It, it's half a memoir as well as as well as a recounting of, of that series. I get to cram in a lot of stories about basketball and I don't know playing basketball at Venice Beach and and going to see Wilton Russell when I'm 16 years old. A bunch of a bunch of different things and and I kind of enjoyed telling those stories along the way. So I I hope it's like a casual easy read a conversation where I'm I'm telling you what happened in those games, but I'm also telling you about life and what was going on. Absolutely. And again, it is Tall Men Short Shorts, the 1969 NBA Finals with Wilt, Russ, Lakers, Celtics, and a very young sports reporter. Hopefully, if you Google search any part of these, that book will come up. But again, it, it's on sale now. Pre-order as we speak, but hopefully when this comes out, it'll be actually on sale because it's going on sale July 13th, but you can pre-order it or order it depending on when you hear this at amazon.com, Barnes and Noble. And if you just type in Lee Montville, in fact, I'm going to put a shortcut to both your book that's coming out and also your biography page on Amazon. So it's going to take a look at your entire history of your works that's available on amazon.com. If they have not had a chance to read your books, whether it's covering some of the greatest things in sports history, like like the Boston Red Sox, the year that they made it, Babe Ruth, Muhammad Ali, Evo Knievel, Dale Earnhardt. It looks like you have a ton of books there that just touch on some of the greatest individuals and teams in the sports era. Well, the 25-year-old guy is now a 77-year-old guy, so he's, he's, he's been walking through a whole bunch of stuff through the years, and... Uh, it's been an honor to do that, you know, to, to, to see all these different people and all these different things. So, you know, buy it, buy it, buy it. Be the first kid on your block with this book. Thank absolutely. You. Absolutely. Absolutely. Be the first on the block to pick up his latest book. That is Lee Montville and his book, Tall Men, Short Shorts, the 1969 NBA Finals, Wilt Russ Lakers Celtics, and a very young sports reporter. Plus, catch all the books if you haven't already that he's written out there covering many of the famous sports industry icons that have been out there. So please check that out today. I'll have it in the description as far as when this podcast goes up. But Lee, it's been incredible talking to you, reminiscing about not only the 1969 NBA Finals, but 1969 in and of itself. I could talk to you all day because, again, I have a fascination with that year for obvious reasons, but also it's just been incredible speaking to you today and I hope to get the opportunity to do so again. I hope so too. Thank you very much. Thank you for your time and thank you for being part of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.